Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office equipment solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. So when you host a uh, two hour show called Oilers Now with a totally uh, engaged fan base in a market like Edmonton that has gone through some uh, tough miles and seen a lot of change occur, uh, both in and around the team, but also externally, like a new building, like a rebuilt, uh, and it had some challenging, tough years. You're totally aware of the numerous uh, Oiler blog sites that are out there that have been competitive in this market, like the Cult of Hockey, David Staples and Kurt Levin's guys like that, uh, like Oilers Nation, of which Jason Greger has written for. Uh, you've, you've had Jonathan Willis on the show numerous times. He is now with The Athletic. Uh, Low Tide does a show on another station. He's with the Athletic. I think Daniel Nugent Bowman. I haven't seen him around. I think he's on mat leave right now. Uh, but the Athletic is a growing entity with multiple writers in multiple markets. And one guy to talk a bit about that, and also a lot about the Maple Leafs. So we welcome back to the show out of T Dot, uh, James Myrtle, who is a Western Canadian. So we like him that much more. James, how are you? I'm good, Bob. Yeah, I am a Western Canadian. I lived and worked in Bonneville at one point, so I've, I've even lived in Alberta. So I, uh, I know I know the area well. You got uh, you got three guys in this market. Is it possible at some point that you might add uh, to that? I know that there's some other markets. You got five or six writers in right now. Yeah, I mean, 100, percent and we're really happy with the response in Edmonton to what we've done there. And uh, you know, Jonathan Willis is a freelancer, and, and Alan Mitchell is a freelancer, so. You know, we've got one full-time staff there, but uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we have we have three beat writers full-time on the Leafs. We have two on the Canadians. We have two on the uh, Vancouver Canucks. And in any market where we're successful, you know, expansion is what we look at. And I would say Edmonton's right there. I mean, it's the, the passion level that we see from Oilers fans for our site and just in general. It's like I would say per capita, they're right up there with every team. I mean, you know, like it's a it's a smaller market population wise, but but the interest level is is really really incredible there. Yeah, and the one thing I'd say is I I think that there may have been more blogs actually written about the orders. Guys used to send me their stuff all the time, and some of the guys do a terrific amount. And that was something that you came into coming here is there was already some pretty established sites. You know what I mean, James? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, definitely. There's competition there, and we're the only place that's, you know, got the hard paywall up. And so, but, but like I said, I mean, we're really, really happy with, you know, if you look just at population-wise, you look at Edmonton compared to all the other markets we're in. Like, we're in, we're all over the U.K., we're in every U.S. market. Edmonton is one of the smaller cities, but we're really, really happy with, you know, how many people are reading The Athletic there. There's, you know, there's been, been a lot of interest, and I think it just speaks to the passion level in that market. Really, I mean, that's what it is. I've got friends that read everything, like guys that are in this business that uh, there's a couple of guys I know external to this business that would absolutely crush it as on-air hosts and could do it, and they they read and follow everything. And I know that uh, a couple of them, like I'll be honest with you, James, I read as much about the NCAA from uh, the athletic site as I do about hockey. 
because you know that's a, that's a passion of mine. So now we're doing an around the Canada thing. So let's get specific. You're the, you're one of the guys we go to out of Toronto. Uh, a lot of people have the Maple Leafs as a favorite. Edmonton, by the way, had the highest winning percentage of Canadian-based teams last year. The Oilers mm-hmm. made a con- the Oilers made a concerted effort to improve uh, their five v five play by bringing in some forwards uh, with the minimal amount of cap space they had. Give me your perspective, an overview on the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think they're better. I think they're, last season a lot of things went wrong that I don't think are going to go wrong again. I mean, they had a lot of injuries. So they were, I believe, top five in, in, in cap space that was spent on, on IR. Uh, they obviously had the Mike Babcock situation, which was really kind of toxic and, and terrible to start the year last year. The other thing, too, is that the goaltending for the Leafs last year was was a disaster. I mean, really, like their backup goaltenders were down around 885 save percentage. They were losing a lot of games whenever the backup went in net. And Frederick Anderson had the worst year of his career. And, you know, they bring in Jack Campbell as a backup who's had some good years in LA. He hasn't played a ton, but I just, I, I don't see them. I haven't even gotten into the guys they brought in. I mean, their, their D is better. You know, they bring in TJ Brody as opposed to a Cody CC. It's a huge upgrade for them alongside Morgan Riley. And you got Joe Thornton, you got Jimmy VC, you got Wayne Simmons. They've added some really interesting veteran depth uh, throughout the forward group as well. So uh, I'd be very surprised to at least take a step back. I, I think that they're they're just deeper down through onto their taxi squad. They're deeper at the back of goalie position, and they're all buying the message that Sheldon Keefe is, is selling. So I'm expecting they're going to have a pretty good year. Can you uh, settle, or at least give me your perspective on Tyson Berry? We've had a, a multitude of dialogue here over the last couple of days. Uh, you know, I, I know what I saw in Colorado, uh, but you, you look, you watched every Leafs game last season. What was the story with Tyson last year? I think his confidence got shot pretty early on. I don't think that, I don't know how much this has been talked about or written about, but I don't think the relationship with Mike Babcock was very good. Um, I don't think that, he never said this publicly, I don't think Mike Babcock thought Tyson Berry was the kind of defenseman that they needed for, you know, the the holes that they had. They were trying to play him with Jake Muzzin, and Jake Muzzin's a guy who plays really, really well against top lines, and that's not really where Tyson Berry should be. And, you know, Tyson Berry was pulling some moves really early on. I think it was the first game of the season, kind of, you know, like spinoramas on the wall and pinching in and whatever. And, and that that's not the kind of game that Mike Babcock wants to see from, from players like that. So there was a disconnect there really early on. Um, I don't know if it got to the point of him requesting a trade out of Toronto, but there were certainly some conversations that were, you know, kind of between his camp and the Leafs that were in that direction, like this just isn't working. And there were trade talks around Tyson Berry basically up to the trade deadline. You know, he almost got moved. And I know they were talking to teams. I believe, I think Vegas was one of the teams they were talking to about moving Barry. So um, that's a long-winded way of saying his, his year in Toronto was a mess. And, you know, I think, that ties back in with what I was talking about with Babcock and just not being a fit for the roster and the way that Kyle Dubas wanted the team to play, and, and, and Barry got caught up in that. All right, so that's the situation with Tyson Barry. They bring in T.J. Brody. Obviously, Muzzin, uh, is Muzzin back to 100% after that scary oh, yeah. playing series? Yeah, he's good to go. Yeah, he, he's fine, yeah. Um, all right, up front, uh, there has been suggestion that the Leafs have backed, uh, lacked a little bit of bite. Uh, obviously, Wayne Simmons about as honest of a player as there is in the National Hockey League. He's not the same guy he was with Philly, but he can certainly play as a third liner. Uh, just give me your thoughts on the additions of, of Thornton and Simmons. Do you expect these guys to play every game, and do you envision that they'd be moved in and around the lineup? 
Well, we got our first look at the top power play unit today. I don't know if you saw that coming out of camp, but uh, both Joe Thornton and Wayne Simmons are on the top power play unit with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and Morgan Riley. So that kind of gives you an indication of, you know, these guys are both making lower salaries. Thornton's at a league minimum 700K and then Wayne Simmons is at 1.5. But they don't, they're not going to treat them like fringe players at the end of their careers that are going to, you know, Simmons might, he's on the fourth line right now at even strength, but they really see some potential in him on the power play. And Joe Thornton's on the top line with Austin Matthews and Mitch Parner. So what they're trying to do is use these guys in some different positions and really give themselves some depth that they didn't have last year. And in doing that, it pushes some better players down the lineup. And they've got three really interesting lines when they're fully healthy. So um, if it works, I, I think that it could be, it could be really, really interesting. I mean, the question for me for both those guys is how much do they have left in the tank and how much can they rebound? And Wayne Simmons has talked a lot in the lead up to to joining the Leafs that, you know, his body was basically just broken down after so many years and he was kind of hobbling through injury after injury and it was causing, you know, he would have, you know, the, the I think he had a broken kneecap and that would, you know, compensating for that caused ankle and hip problems and you just, you know, a lot of core problems after that and he's been able to fix all of that because he hasn't played a game since, since March. So, and Thornton, I mean, last year in San Jose was, was a mess and, you know, he's, what is he, 41, 42 years old? He's, um, we'll see what he has left. But, you know, I think that if he can get back to where he was a year and a half ago or two years ago where he had a really good season for San Jose and had over 50 points and played a big role, they could really have something here on this, this lineup. James Myrtle from The Athletic out of Toronto joining us in orders now as we continue our look at the other Canadian teams for the return to play. James, I got to I got to tell you this. Uh, I'm a firm believer you need a one-two punch in goal, uh, at least during the course of the regular season. Freddie Anderson's looking for a bit of a bounce back here. He has historically owned Edmonton in his career, always been a really good goaltender. In fact, uh, at one time, the orders kind of investigated the possibility of acquiring him. Uh, Toronto has more than one choice as a backup. Can you maybe explain to our listeners, Jack Campbell's had some terrific numbers over the last three years, but he's not the only potential option for the Leafs. Well, they were trying to give themselves some depth just because of how much of a, the backup situation in Toronto has been a mess the last two years. Like they've been, they've, they've probably been the worst team in the league at the backup goalie position the last two years, if not close. I mean, Garrett Sparks was brutal two years ago. Last year, Michael Hutchinson was, was really bad and was part of what contributed to Babcock getting let go and their record being what it was. Now Michael Hutchinson's back, but he's the fourth string guy and they've got uh, Jack Campbell at the backup position. And I know the front office is, or the organization is really, really high on Jack Campbell and his potential. Kyle Dubas knows him going back to junior. He had him playing for him in the Sioux there, um, you know, whatever, a million years ago. Uh, and then they've got Aaron Dell as the number three. And the trick there for them is going to be, can they get Aaron Dell through waivers here to get him on the taxi squad? And, you know, every team's going to be carrying three goalies this year because of, you know, the COVID-19 regulations and everything. But, um, you know, if there's a team that needs to back up Aaron Dell, just given the number of games that he's played for San Jose over the last few years, will probably be pretty attractive to a team that wants another goalie. Would it surprise you if I told you that numerous sort of analytics-driven texters, uh, even a guy like Darcy McLeod, a.k.a. Wood guy, uh, who occasionally does our show, wanted the Edmonton Oilers to sign Aaron Dell instead of Mike Smith? Uh, I, to be perfectly honest, I have not done an extensive analytics deep dive into the third goalie for the Leafs. So, um, but I mean, he's certainly a guy that, 
his save percentage hasn't been great of late, but he's a guy that's got he's got more NHL experience than Jack Campbell does, frankly. Like Jack Campbell's only played, and I think he's only started like fifty seven NHL games, and he's twenty eight, twenty nine years old. So it it just gives them some insurance. Like if, if if Anderson struggles again, or if Jack Campbell gets hurt or struggles or whatever, they've got a third guy. I mean, he's probably the best third goalie in the league. I mean, unless there's a young guy in some organization. I, I, I would agree with you. He's the best third goalie in the league. There's no question. So you look at the Leafs, like what they tried to do is get the best third goalie, get the best 13th, 14th forward, get the best 7th, 8th D. Like you, the Leafs are way deeper on defense this year. I mean, they've got Lettinen, who's the KHLD man of the year. They've got Bogosian. They've got Rasmus Sandin. They've got uh, Travis Dermott's not in the lineup right now. Like they've got eight NHL defensemen, and last year they had five or whatever. So it's it's just a different equation on the roster this year. From the Athletic, uh, James Myrtle, by the way, James, 931-914-886 in San Jose two years ago. And then last season, 907 for Arundel, who had some solid performance playing the Alberta Junior League way back in the day for the Calgary Canucks. All right, I'm going to give you the million-dollar question right now. How do you see the Canadian North Division shaking down? Four teams make the playoffs. It's my belief that had we had the regular divisions, uh, all three Western Canadian teams, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, would have made it with Vegas uh, in the Pacific Division. Uh, but uh, how do you see the which four teams in Canada are going to make the playoffs? Man, it's going to be real tight, don't you think? I mean, I, I think it's going to be fantastic. I'm really excited about it. As someone you know who grew up watching the Canucks all the time, and that's what my family watches. And then I just I, I love it when the Leafs have those Western road trips. So the idea that they're going to have more of them, and it, I think the fan base is going to be so engaged watching this. The players seem excited about it. I actually think Bob that they should do this every year. Like I think that it should be a Canada division, and they should figure out the travel. And like I think it'd be fantastic for. It'd be fantastic for the NHL in Canada, just the interest level and everything. So that's that's an aside. That's me dodging your question. I, I do think the Leafs are the best team. I would pick them if I had to pick. But I don't. I think it's going to be a real grind and a real battle. I mean, you're going to be seeing these teams eight, nine, ten t- times. Like, you know, I, I like what Montreal did. I think they got deeper and they got better. I like, you know, what Calgary did was interesting. Edmonton's obviously very good. I think probably Winnipeg and Vancouver took a little bit of a step back, but they've still got a lot of really good players there. So um, I'm probably forgetting somebody. But, no, I, I guess that's everyone. And then, I mean, Ottawa, you know, they they don't have the same talent level, but they're not going to be an easy out every night. I mean, they're going to play hard. I thought the coaching staff for the Senators last year did a great job in getting that team to show up every night. So, you know, with the condensed schedule and with how tight it's going to be to get that fourth spot, and I think it's going to be a battle right down to the last couple games of the year. So we have, uh, look, I think six teams will be within 12 points. Who's on, do you think, Winnipeg and Vancouver? That's who I've got on the outs, just so you know. I've got uh, Toronto, Edmonton, Montreal, and Calgary making the playoffs. I think Vancouver is going to be right there, and my concern for Winnipeg is just in those back-to-backs in between the pipes. But I've got Vancouver and Winnipeg on the outs, and i got lots of listeners in Vancouver that think, and out in BC that think I'm completely out to lunch, and if they listen to the show, James, on a regular basis, they're right. I often am out to lunch, but... Uh, I, I've got I've got Vancouver and Winnipeg missing. So is that who you've got on the outside looking? In? Yeah, you know Vancouver's one of my favorite teams to watch. I just love their high end talent, Hughes and Pedersen, and it's just you know we we get into the questions about the depth of the roster, and I don't know what hope he has left. Like you talk to some people in the Eastern Conference, and they just don't think that that he's the goalie that he was two three years ago. So 
that's and, and I don't know what Demko's going to. I mean, Demko was so good in the playoffs, so that's kind of the wild card for me. And the wild card for me in Winnipeg is is the blue line. I mean, like they they look thin there. I know they've been trying to add. They've got a little bit of cap space. They might still do something. Um, you know, maybe there's some sort of a line A trade that involves improving their blue line and. So uh, both those teams are not pushovers, though. Like, you know, I think you're right. I mean, I think the top six in the Canada division are all going to be really, really tight. And I say Toronto's the best team, but I'm not saying they're going to run away with with winning the division. I think it's going to be close. And, you know, if the Leafs don't put their foot down and and play as, you know, kind of lackadaisical as they have sometimes in the past, some of these teams are going to pass them. James, uh, thanks for joining us, and I mean this when I say this. I'm cheering for the athletic. Uh, I like a lot of what I see in it. Uh, some of the uh, the amount of detail, uh, not just on hockey, but as I mentioned, like the NCAA football coverage is fantastic. Uh, continued success with it. I appreciate it, Bob. Thank you. That is James Myrtle from The Athletic. It is 150 at Edmonton. We are going to take a quick timeout. You're listening to Oilers Now. Hi, this is Jujar Kara from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot, Jujar. Bob Stoffer with you along with Brendan Escott. Do you want to mention the best pizza in the city, still making a great Royal Pizza, multiple locations in Edmonton to serve you, including the original Royal Pizza in Old Strathcona. Royal Pizza is Edmonton-owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza offers curbside pickup and takeout options for a list and a menu of their 13, a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca. Download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendation at Royal Pizza is the Mediterranean chicken. There's an old saying. In the car business, cars cost less out in Wetaskiwin. Outstanding customer service, that's a key to business everywhere. And Brent Ridge Ford, nine-time President's Award winner for customer satisfaction. The year-end event has been extended. It's currently taking place down at Brent Ridge. Great people, great service, fully open, transparent. Let Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at Brent Ridge lend a hand by calling 1-877-477-3673 or visit Brent Ridge. To this day in Oilers history, I remember it well. Here's Brendan Escott. I like this one. Back in 2003, Fernando Pisani makes his NHL de- uh, debut in a one nothing road win over Anaheim. Played 35 games in total in his rookie season, put up 13 points. He was drafted in the eighth round all the way back in 1996, so seven years before he made his, uh, his debut, Bob. This texter comes in, yeah, uh, you can text us anytime, 780-496-0063. Bob, this is what's going to happen with the Maple Leafs this year. Oh, they're going to lose three or four games in a row, and a mutiny is going to start in the dressing room. I I don't see that happen. Again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. Bob, I sure hope they don't keep the Canadian division past the season. Better chance to make the playoffs in a normal format. Not looking forward to continual Leafs chatter that actually matters to the Oilers. And they hate the thought of having to watch Calgary and Vancouver so much. That one comes to us from Pat. Again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. An old goalie himself, Herm Hordell, texts us to say, Bob, if uh, Aaron Dell becomes available, the Oilers should take him, and I believe it would really create the competition needed to get the Oilers into the playoffs. A tough set of situations last year. There you go. Uh, Wellsy in Devon. Wellsy 
says, good afternoon, Bob. I was wondering if you could touch on James Neal's status and where you could see him fitting into the roster. Well, right now he's got to get healthy. Uh, he is around the team. He is skating, but... Uh, yesterday, Oilers head coach Dave Tippett, Reed Wilkins, tweeted this out. Reed's got inside sports coming up tonight. Uh, tweeted out that uh, it, Neil is not expected back in the short term. That would lead me to believe that he is uh, not going to be on the Oilers' active roster to start the season, Wellesley. And that is all I can tell you at this time, other than to suggest that uh, Nashville had multiple players uh, not start uh, the opening day of training camp either. And James Neal skates in uh, Nashville. Uh, Bob, to state the obvious, injuries in the taxi squad are going to be a very important part of this season. Thank you to all of the texters uh, and those of you listening that participated in the interactive element to Oilers Now. Reed Wilkins has inside sports tonight. Brendan Escott, what's he got rolling? You will hear from Oilers forward Alex Chason and defenseman Ethan Bear, newly signed Edmonton football team receiver Darrell Walker and former Edmonton football team receiver, current member of the Carolina Panthers, Brandon Zilstra. Yeah, he's having a good go. Uh, we'll have an interesting show coming up for Monday. Stay tuned on that front. NHL insider John Shannon for Legacy Heating and Cooling will join us. Might have a surprise or two. Or three for you. Eileen Bell is up next with a global news weather traffic update. And then uh, coming up on 6.30 Chet Afternoons with Jalen Nye, a uh, person who is directly affected uh, by the the one-year anniversary of that uh, tragic uh, incident involving in Iranian airspace uh, will be joining uh, Jalen Nye. So stay tuned for that a little bit later on 630 Chet. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. So long. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio 630 Chet.